0: Good morning, we're going to be in the book of Genesis this morning, our time together, Genesis chapter 30 to begin with, and we'll jump around a little bit through the life of Joseph as we kind of continue our children of promise study, and although Joseph is not mentioned in Romans 9, uh, the promise that God has given continues because of some of the uh, well, ultimately, God's choice in using Joseph to to bring the people about, but also Joseph's choice in response to the things that happened to him. And so, we'll continue our Romans nine eight, children of promise, and uh, this uh, lesson is entitled "Addition by Subtraction," which is one of my favorite, uh, like, mind bending thoughts. Uh, and I think that that will play out in the in the lesson as we will study together. Genesis 12, verse 13, we know that God promises to Abraham that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. We know that that is one of the earliest prophecies of Jesus Christ, and us being the hands and feet, uh, we are also included in that prophecy. That's a purpose and a goal that we have. I'm beginning to love Romans nine seventeen, and it's really a quote from Exodus about Pharaoh, but I believe that it is a quote that really is what defines us and gives us purpose and that we have a choice to make. I've talked about the day of choosing, that today we choose whether we want to be on the team of God or not. God is going to win. We love Romans eight twenty eight, and rightfully so. It's a great verse. Uh, All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. The problem is, is that also includes that icky chapter of Romans 9 where he talks about uh, predestination, I kind of like the phrase predetermination. Uh, this week at camp, I had a show of hands during power hour of uh, who all watches professional wrestling, right? And, and it's been known for years that wrestling is fake. Uh, although I will say uh, a lot of those bumps and bruises and hits are not, that those are real. Now, we won't get into the psychology of how, what it takes to get to that point. But the point is is that the outcome is predetermined. We know who's going to win. We know who's going to get the three count and get their hand raised. But it's how they get there is often left up to those who are wrestling or participating. And so I kind of use that illustration. It's not airtight, but I know for a fact that God is going to win, that he is going to be victorious. We get to choose how we respond to that. We look at uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh had ten, at least 10 opportunities to respond correctly and did not, and chose poorly. And so what he tells Pharaoh is, regardless of your choice, my power and my glory is going to be revealed through you. And I believe as a church, as individuals, we have the same choice. The same choice was put towards Moses, and Moses tried to make excuses, as we pointed out. And it was going to happen regardless of how much he was on board this is how it's going to work and we get to choose our response to those things that happen to us and so that's a that's a very quick response and covering of Romans 9 it by no means is a complete but it's funny how we love Romans 828 but then we get into the meaning really behind that and that kind of makes us feel a little icky and we don't really know how to handle that which also, once again, turn to God has his purposes. So we look at Genesis 30 and verse 23, and we see this uh, happening after the mandrake scandal. If you look at earlier in chapter 30, uh, you know, there's this really icky story about swapping out husbands and wives and all this stuff for some mandrakes, and it's like, what in the world? Uh, and there are plenty of illustrations there uh, as well, but it's sort of similar in the same vein of Jacob and Esau, Right? Uh, They kind of make this trade out for food, and we're like, what in the world? And that's really easy for us to look back now as people who have a gas station slash Arby's and food is readily available, right? It takes on a little different connotation when you get up every morning and work from sun up to sundown to get food on your table. And so just take that into consideration. Doesn't mean that it's not a little icky. Uh, But it also helps us kind of understand where people are. We have this real easy tendency to look back on people uh, that do do not have the equipment that we have and the circumstances we have and judge them for the decisions they made, and sometimes rightfully so, as long as we keep into context that we have also made decisions that people many years from now will look back and go, how could they have ever been in that headspace? Uh, and, And sometimes it's just because we don't know, and that may not be a great excuse. When we look at jo- Joseph, and at verse 23 of Genesis 30, uh, actually we'll look at verse 22 through uh, 24, "...then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her, and opened her womb." she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, may the Lord add to me another son. Just another aspect of introduction. We see the differences in society, right? This value, this great value that is placed on having children and having as many as we possibly can. And as a person who Uh, Came. My grandparents had many, many children. We don't see that now uh, anymore. I won't get into whether that's right or wrong, but I will say that there is a different value on life, and we've seen that play out. And so she equates having a son as God taking away her reproach. And what I want us to think about, especially those who are well-studied in Scripture, the echoes of Jesus Christ through the life of Joseph. He has taken away my reproach. A son is born, and he is going to take away my reproach. Joseph, the name Joseph, sounds in Hebrew like the word taken away. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the name actually means in Hebrew Add to which she goes on to say, And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. And there you have the title of the lesson, right? Addition by subtraction. And so we see the ways in which this reproach has been taken away. If you look at Genesis 37, and we can turn over there just for a moment. Genesis 37, we know that in this chapter, that uh, there is this aspect of Jake, uh, Joseph... Uh, Being taken away because he makes his brothers jealous. And in 37 verse 2, we see uh, another maybe echo of Jesus. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. We know that uh, uh, the darkness does not like the light. We don't like being exposed. And so what's the best way to not get exposed? Get rid of him. And that was the response to Jesus, right? Jesus comes and he sheds the light and it's two responses. Either yes, this is true what he's saying and, and we respond in, I'm going to be better. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from that. Or it's what? Let's get rid of this guy before anybody finds out. And we see the brother's response. He brought a bad report. Now, we also see this word that we've kind of talked about over the last few weeks because we look at verse Three, why, uh, why is there this love for Jacob? Now Israel loved Joseph, or more for Joseph. Now Israel loved Joseph, Israel being Jacob, more than any other, of other his sons because he was the son of his old age. Because, right, Romans 8. Why does God love us? Not because of what we've done. Before Jacob and Esau had done good or bad, he had chosen Jacob. You see, there's the thing. I love my kids equally, but depending on what day it is, I may like one a little better than the other. And maybe that's me repenting. I would be willing to guess as a parent, I'm not alone in this. And, And so we have reasons, and we can list them, and it kind of feels icky that he made the choice before they did good or bad. But really, for all things to work for the good of those who love the Lord, there has to be choices made. And we have a God who loves us, who is willing to make a choice so that we may benefit. A choice that we might not be prepared to make. And so that, our response to that may be to shake our fists sometimes, but ultimately our response is, thank you. Thank you. I don't know that I have the ability to do it. And the more we read Scripture, the more we realize, I don't have the ability to make a decision like that because I have bias. I have things. I have a background that bleeds into that. It is so sad sometimes that, that people are unable to grow closer to the Lord because of what His people have done. And that's an unfortunate situation. But at some point, my love for Jesus must override my feelings and disappointment that I find in human beings because I have instilled a lot of disappointment in other people and most of the time the people who love me the most. And so there's this because, Genesis 37, 11. You see, Joseph finds himself in the crosshairs of two things. One of these things is enough to get you uh, canceled, but both of them together is pretty much like you're done. If you find yourself in the crosshairs of either having a bad report or making people feel bad about your, because of your morals. Uh, uh, Last week, the week before, I was uh, just chewed out on social media for beliefs I've held my entire life because someone else made a decision they didn't agree with. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Hey, these people knew me. They've known me all my life. They know exactly how I feel about this. And because something didn't go their way, somebody else did something, I received the brunt. And as Christians, we're signing up for that. I am remaining. To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. So we get to chapter 37 and verse 11. And his brothers were jealous of him, right? His, His dad didn't really help him out here very much giving him special treatment (laughs) but that's a dad's prerogative is it not but they were jealous of him because he told them what i'm gonna reign over you you see jesus made some of the same mistakes socially you can't be coming around pointing out where we're not getting it right and you certainly can't be telling me that you're here to reign over me right those were the two baddies you know and The cross makes an X, doesn't it? Right in the crosshairs. And so Joseph, you can read this chapter and before it even gets to the end, you know something is not going to happen that's good. Because the major drivers in our life and in our politics is you're showing me up and you're getting something that I hadn't got. And so the best way to solve this problem is to remove you from the situation. And so that's what they do. So he has taken away... Don't forget that, taken away. Joseph's taken away there in Genesis 37, 12 through 36, sold into slavery. The second point is may he add another son. We look at chapter 30 in verse uh, 24 where we see once again that that meaning of Joseph's name is to add. She wants more kids. She wants more children. And then she does. She receives Benjamin. Benjamin comes along. Uh, It's a wonderful thing, but once again, she doesn't even understand. And this is where that verse uh, in the New Testament, right? God is able to do more than we can even think or imagine. We we ask God for this thing, and he goes, oh, not only are you going to get that, but you're going to get way more than you could ever imagine. I want this other, I want this son. Oh, he gave you a son. Oh, I want another one. All right, I'll give you this one. And through those two... There's going to be this great blessing and a fulfillment of Genesis chapter 12. Probably something that wasn't even on her radar. But may he add another son. Joseph's name means may he add. Genesis 37, God's choice revealed in Joseph's dreams. What has he just told and tried to give his brothers and his dad a heads up? What did he tell them? He's going to rule. Now they weren't quite ready for that, obviously. You ever had something that was told to you and you just weren't ready for that? I mean, every time I open Scripture and read it, there's something that jumps off the page that five years ago I wasn't ready for. At least I wasn't looking and it didn't show up on my radar. There are things that we grow into as maturity. It's amazing how often in Scripture one person has one outcome in mind and God comes along and goes, oh, I can use that too. The, The very thing that they're jealous of they have now set in motion, maybe have sped up. It was going to happen. But they had a choice to make. And so imagine later when they come to bow down and it hits them. I know people who, we saw a person yesterday that Whitney and I thought, man, I don't know that anybody will reach that person for Jesus. We had an intimate relationship with them. They now follow Jesus it was not really of our doing, but it was one of those things where you're like, oh man, this years ago seemed like it was impossible. It would never happen. And maybe I feel that sometimes when I'm singing, right? I've been at camp this week and there were many moments seeing my own kid at the same camp I grew up going to where it hit me like this was set in motion years ago. And even in my failures, we have come to this point. And I have received a blessing I don't deserve, that. I I don't deserve an ounce of forgiveness. And yet, not only do I receive an ounce, but I am overwhelmed, overflowing. I don't even know what to do with all of them in the face of struggle. Genesis 39, verse 9, we'll look there, want to read that scripture. We see that not only is God's choice revealed through the dreams of Joseph, but Joseph's attitude is revealed under what? Pressure. 39 and verse 9. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There is this natural aspect of who we really are that comes out under pressure. The New Testament would call that suffering. Suffering is a part of life. That's really probably the point of Romans 9. That yes, all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. And God uses suffering to mature you into understanding who He is. And it's a great thing that He sent His Son to suffer more than any of us, I would be willing to guess, will ever suffer. In drawing us closer to God. I imagine if you ask Joseph, hey, is this how you want your attitude to be revealed? He probably would have chosen a different path. But here we are. He's in the circumstance. And his response is a judgment to me. (laughs) It's not about what the outcome might be if he does this. It's not about is he going to get a disease? Is he going to, is this, is this? And it's all about, he says, I can't do it to God. God has brought me this far he doesn't go god put me in this circumstance it's time for joseph to take a win here and you know i've just had it rough over the last few years i'm just going to take a me day no god has provided for me hold on to this scripture as we will return to it then later in chapter 39 where does joseph find himself in prison which is where we all want to be right Uh, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor inside of the keeper of the prison. God's blessing is shown under pressure in bad circumstances. Maybe it's just one of those things where there's no other thing to hold on to but Jesus. And if we really have maturity, we understand that even in the good times, there's nothing really out there to hold on to but Jesus. And when it is good, it helps us to realize, right, there, there's nothing like winning after losing a lot. And it may be one win. And so maybe that's what is to be revealed, that God's blessing comes under pressure. Finally, number three, we should be a blessing. I don't want to miss verse 23 here. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. He made it succeed. How can he do that? Because God knows the outcome. God wins. That's success. I know what the point of the question this week was, but we had a QA, and a and that's always dangerous. We had a Q&A and so I, You know, I just don't understand how, why women are not treated equally in the church. And my response was that, do women get to go to heaven? And amazing enough, there was a lot of crickets. I don't know, I guess people were just kind of like, where's he going with this, you know? Uh, And I said, you know, really salvation should be enough. Romans 8, 1, if it stopped there, right? Like, woohoo, yeah, you know, I know what they were trying to get at. And I know the understanding, but I think we have to start, once again, where it should start. Like, on top of going to heaven, everything else is gravy, man. Is gravy. And we have this, once again, we have this 22 outlook on things 6,000 years ago, however long it was. And we don't take into account just how far and how amazing we've been treated in spite, right, I read that verse where it says, you know, any man who looks on a woman to lust commit adultery in his heart. I'm like, whoa, oh, well, I'm out. I'm lucky to be here. I'm really excited to even have life, right? I don't deserve an ounce of forgiveness. And so the things that God comes along, he goes, hey, above not being condemned in Jesus, here's all these other cool and awesome things. I'm like, hey, I can live with that. And I think sometimes it's about what we don't have. I wouldn't care anything about that. If you didn't have it. And because you have it, I want it. And really, all of it's about is submission. It's so funny that when we want to, I got to have it my way. Is that anywhere in the aspect and mentality of Jesus? And I'm not talking to you women, I'm talking to all of us, right? And you look at my kids, man, they just, if he's got it, I want it. And that's a fleshly response to things. That's fleshly, and we're so blessed that we're able to sit here. You know, I've got friends. I'm just conflicted about the fourth. You know why you get to be conflicted about the fourth? Because somebody else deemed it necessary to sacrifice for you so that you can be conflicted about where we are as a country. Wonderful. I'm not saying we shouldn't be conflicted. I'm just saying that there was a price paid so that we could. And when we throw that out, we have missed a lot of points. Because Jesus, right? The reason we get to have a question and answer at camp is because of Jesus. My ability to say, I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm not sure I want to know because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. We we get to fumble around with these ideas of equality and, and what does that look like because someone else has sacrificed, namely and most importantly, Jesus Christ. He has advanced us far beyond. So how do we be a blessing it is not through politics very rarely are these these big the big movements that happen are usually decades after the individual has decided this is how I'm going to live and so do not hold your breath and you don't have to it has always been about how you Treat your neighbor. How do I love my neighbor? Will you first and foremost love God with all that you have? And then there's this change, this motion, that actually a lot of times I say it's playing the long game, but actually it's really the short game. I'm going to be a blessing to those around me. What does Joseph decide to do in every one of his situations? I'm going to impact this for God in some way. I'm going to be where my feet are. I'm going to be a blessing. Jacob lost Joseph and gave up Benjamin. Genesis 42, 38. He's not going to give us what we need unless we take Benjamin with us. Let's look at that verse 42, chapter 42, and verse 38 because I think it like it explains here. Uh, but but he said, "My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left." I mean, isn't he talking to the other brothers? Let's <laughs> see. It seems a little like a a slap in the face. Maybe not. I know he's the the son of his old age, and and he's making that qualification. But still, that has got to sting some, right? Uh, If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you will bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. It will kill me if you do not bring him back. I am attached to this one. You you can't. He's got to come back, even at the loss of your life. And we see that. One of them says, you can... I'll die before he doesn't come back. You can kill my sons if he doesn't come back. I've made a commitment to you. He lost Joseph. He gave up Benjamin. You may be sitting here going, I know what it's like to lose a child. And I hope that I never experience that. And I know that if you've experienced it, you don't hope that on anyone. So I'm not making light of that. I'm lifting it up. But even in his sacrifice, he received more than he deserved. Jacob received both his sons back. He received a provision of food. His his family is maintained outside of this famine that will come. There's an echo of Jesus, right? Amos 8, there will be a famine of the Word of God. And when the word of God shows back up, it shows up in the flesh. And he comes saying in John 10, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. They got so much of the word of God in flesh that they got mad at him because the light showed their sin and they were jealous and they thought they could get rid of him. But just like Joseph, he just keeps coming back. Paul, as I've said over and over again, says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And you know what? There are people in the world today who respond just like Joseph's brothers. And you know in the end what they're going to do? They're going to do exactly what Paul said they're going to do. So why not choose today? Not only did he receive both sons back, he received provisions, and he received many generations. This morning you may feel like you're forgotten. Do you know Joseph felt that? In that story of the dreams, right? Don't miss that the number three keeps showing back up. Number three keeps showing up. There are three men in prison. There's one that, if you'll bear with me, is returned to paradise. He has given his job back. He goes and lives with the king, with Pharaoh. He gets his job back. One dies. He's hung on a tree. And another one continues to labor away in prison, and he's forgotten. And to our knowledge, we don't have a record of Joseph going, I can't believe I've been forgotten before. Because to Joseph, everybody else can forget him. As long as God remembers him. There are a lot of people in the world chasing name recognition. And there are times in my life where I'm doing the same thing. It's that rat race and we wonder where our anxiety and our stress and all that comes from. Because we feel like we're just a rat in a cage. A rat in a rat race. And nobody remembers us and we're forgotten. We all felt that, right? Somebody brings something over and everybody else gets it and you're sitting there going, well, uh, you know, what's going on? I felt that. I felt forgotten. Joseph knows what that feels like. You go to Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, right? And there became a king in Egypt who forgot all the things that Joseph did for him. And you know what you do when you forget Joseph? You forget God. And you know what happens when you forget God? Those plagues show up pretty quick. The punishment of the Lord shows up, and death shows up at your door. You don't have to suffer through all those things. You don't have to worry about death. Death, where's your sting? There will be suffering, but you will not be forgotten by the one who matters. I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody, right, about the Son of God who took away my sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be forgotten. And still blesses you, and through you can bless many nations. Something about the name of Joseph, right? Joseph flashes on the screen, and we don't look in the New Testament for references to Joseph. There are not a lot. You kind of have to dig for him, you kind of have to look for him. Think about the Joseph that married Mary, flashes across the screen, and then poof, we don't know anything else. But what do we know about him? God, Jesus. You, you can't talk about those stories and not mention the forgotten men and women of the Bible. There are many, Hebrews says, right? We don't have time to go into all the stories of amazing things that God has done through people. I want to just look quickly at Romans 8 verse 32. And then once again, remember Joseph's response. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I couple that with the response similar to Joseph, right? Earlier in Genesis 39 verse 9, he says, There is nothing in the house of Potiphar that has been withheld from me except you. God comes and goes, I'm withholding nothing from you through my son Jesus Christ. Joseph says, "Then how can I do this great wickedness against God?" So in the light of Genesis, in the light of Romans 8:32, and all the things he did not his son not sparing, how can you continue to go on living in wickedness? You can't. You just can't. If you really get it, there must be a change. Choose today. why not? Choose today, you've been brought to this very situation in life. Whether it's the, the sun is shining and everything is great, or you feel forgotten, you can still respond with praise, none greater than giving your life to Jesus today as we stand and sing.